Groovaholics. Welcome to the Rochester Groovecast podcast. Birthed by a love of music, we're all about culture. Don't forget to subscribe and remember the fee. If you gain value from this podcast, personally share it with a friend and explain your favorite part. Let's get groovy. Groovy. Welcome, everyone, to the Rochester Groovecast podcast. 
your top source for live local regional music interviews and events from Rochester, New York, and the surrounding area. I am your host, Ben Albert, and I am here with Ellen Peroni, the special guest of the night. Uh, I asked you a moment ago, but how we doing, Ellen? We rocking and rolling? Absolutely, doing great. Love it, love it. Uh, what was that track we had heard a, a bit of a glimpse of in the intro here? Um, that is a song called You Gotta Work. Um, it's a song that I wrote during quarantine that um, was played by me with Intrepid Travelers. Awesome, awesome. And if anyone doesn't know Ellen, you really should. Um, she is just awesome at saxophone. You know, a Buffalo, New York musician who's played with just about everybody under the sun. A tremendous amount of bands from the Buffalo area, you know, Intrepid Travelers, The Truth. I, I remember the Duo Plus, um, formerly in Folk Faces, Buffalo Afrobeat Orchestra. Um, and she's ultimately the owner and the creative and manager behind Lavender Hayes Collective. So she wears a lot of hats. Um, I've got a lot to learn, as do I'm sure many of us here, about how to manage so many bands and so many personalities and, and ultimately life as a musician. So we're happy to have Ellen here. And um, did I miss anything? I, I kind of went off memory with all these projects. Is there anything else we should touch on? I think that is it for the most part. Um, I did spend quite a bit of time playing with a reggae band this summer, um, Olmstead Dub System. That was super fun. Um, I love reggae music and have never been in a reggae band before. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, that is mostly what I've been up to in the past few years. <laughs> It's awesome. That's awesome. And you're no longer in Folk Faces, but now you're in Intrepid Travelers, another incredible Buffalo band. How long ago did that come about when you joined those guys? Um, so I joined that band um, probably just like two months ago. It's still very new, um, but I have been involved with them forever. Um, as long as Donnie and I have been dating, which has been about five years, he's uh, Donnie Fraunhofer is the keyboard player. You're going to hear me talk about him a lot because he's on a lot of the tracks that I have for you tonight. <laughs> um, but as long as I've known Donnie, I've been sitting in with them, you know, whenever they would play a song, a cover song where they wanted a horn part or a saxophone solo, um, they would just hit me up. So I, I've been familiar with the rap and, uh, you know, even used to sell merch at their shows. So I'm no stranger to Intrepid Travelers, but um, Yeah. It's new and official and, and nice. <laughs> yeah, congrats on that. Um, great you. Buffalo band, great Buffalo music scene. What got you started in the Buffalo music scene? Are you a native to Buffalo? And where did you get the start in, in music in general? Um, I am a native to bu the Buffalo area. I did grow up in Cheektowaga, though, which is a suburb of the city of Buffalo, um, but I went to school at Buffalo State College, so I moved to the city when I was probably 19 um, and lived in North Buffalo for a bit, but now I'm on the west side. Um, so I, I've lived in the city for a while now, um, 
But yeah, I, I kind of I started a band when I was in college called Ellen Peroni Quartet. Um, that was how I started. I've always been really inspired um, by jazz fusion music, and that's always really been my passion at the core of everything, even though it's such a specific niche genre that not everybody loves. Um, so I started a, a jazz fusion quartet, jazz funk. Um, I wrote a little bit of music, but mostly we played standards or Herbie Hancock songs or other things that inspired me. Um, and so I, I played with that group for a bit. I uh, played at all the teeny tiny venues around Buffalo and got to know people. We won a contest to play at Nightlights Music Festival. So that was kind of a big deal um, to, to, to get, in, get my feet wet in a music festival because yeah. that was the first one I had ever attended or played at. So I quickly like realized how much I enjoyed like performing and, and the whole like live music scene. Um, and yeah, eventually I just started playing with Folk Faces and other bands and that that group kind of uh took a took a step away from it. Um and yeah, just started meeting new people and joining bands all over the place. I uh I joined Folk Faces when I was I think 19 years old, maybe 20. I might have been 20. And um I was also in a band called Bluestone Groove uh with a friend of mine, Anat Agmon, who actually passed away this year. Um, and she was super amazing singer. So uh, those projects kind of got me started in the scene around here. That's great. So Nightlights Music Festival, I love it there. You guys won a contest. Um, well, actually, the funniest thing is that we didn't even actually win the contest. It was like one of those. It was the year that Snarky Puppy headlined. So that's what okay. immediately got my attention because I've loved them forever being the jazz nerd that I am. So there was a contest for a slot and it was like a voting contest. So you had to just like get as many people as you could to go to a website and vote for your band. So I quickly started campaigning and getting everybody I knew to vote. And I was like neck and neck with this other dude. His name was like Justin Petrowski or something. It was also like a trio. It was like Justin Petrowski trio. I'm sorry if I'm saying his name wrong. I don't know. Um, it was and, a long time ago. Group, Ellen, Ellen Brody Quartet. Um, and yeah, so he like won by like a few votes, but we were pretty close and another slot became available. So they called us to, to come and play. So it worked out in a really nice way. Oh, so you guys both got to play. Perfect. Yeah, we got in there. It was, it was nice. So we played like, um, like an afternoon slot on the cafe stage. I, I remember that year and I, I kind of want to nerd out for a second because I'm trying to remember back. That was a year that it was like almost every single band that was just about to break into being big was at that night lights. I remember because it was my first one, but I believe Dopapod was there and Aqueous was there and Jim Cotto was there. And then, of course, Snarky Puppy. And it was just this like whole slew of bands that are headlining festivals nowadays, which was super, super cool. Um and I'm sure you've played plenty of festivals since then. Uh, I'm curious if you've got some favorite venues, be it a music festival or a venue itself, maybe one of each. Um, just any favorite places that you've played since that first music festival at Nightlights? Well, I do have to say that the the Heron Grounds are absolutely beautiful and very near and dear to my heart. I have um I played five nightlights in a row. I've played the Heron a couple of times. 
Um, and also Sly Fast was there. Um, I think I played that one year. So there was like a, an amount of time somewhere in the past five years where I felt like I was at the, the Heron all the time. And that was like a really incredible uh, place to be all the time. So I, I think as far as like local festival venues, the Heron is probably pretty high up for me. Um, it's a beautiful space run by beautiful people. So big fan of the Heron. Um, as far as venues go, I, especially this quarantine has only further validated my love for the Hall family and Sportsman's Tavern. Um, they also own the cave in Buffalo, New York. They care so deeply about Buffalo's music scene and it's super inspiring. They have been, I mean, they literally just sued the state and because of them, like we can sell tickets to shows now. Like, thank you, Hall family. They're amazing. Um, and Sportsman's Tavern is just a really unique room. I, I love the balconies and the fact that you can be standing outside on the balcony and you can still see the stage. It's just a really unique space. Love that place. Yeah, I was so excited when I saw that they, ultimately they rolled in their favor that um, it's unconstitutional ultimately to not let people have live music. The whole incidental thing was kind of funny in the first place, in my opinion. Um, I but agree. That was big news. And I, you might know better than me, that's that's a single case basis. Technically, are you not allowed to have music at other places? Do you know? No, that just like overturned basically. Mm. Yeah, it said that what the state was saying was unconstitutional. I don't know if that's the right word, but basically what they were doing was illegal which honestly I agree with. I'm all for safety and following guidelines to keep people safe. But if you're going to say that dive bars can be open and you're going to even say that Sportsman's Tavern can be open for dinner, but why can't a band play at the same time? Why can't you advertise the show? It's, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I've talked to, you know, given that we've had a virus going on months now, we've talked about this a lot on this show and just the, the, you know, positivity that's brought from music and sports and art and comedy and people have stressful lives and going out to a show is just so great for your mental health and the fact they shut everything down just seemed backwards from um at one point i agree that you needed to shut things down we didn't know what was going on but if we're taking precautions we need to have live music so it's been a long time it's been like six months um, since this pandemic hit the United States, what have you been doing to keep sane? Has your life been in a whirlwind and, uh, what, what has changed in the past four to six months? I feel like it would almost be easier to list like what hasn't changed in the past six months. Yeah. I feel like I'm not alone. I feel like so many people have had these like near spiritual experiences during solitude and the funniest part to me is because like the universe literally forced us all to like take care of ourselves. Mm. Like I have always been a crazy busy person. I do a million things. I have a million jobs and side hustles and I, I have a lot of passions and I just run myself to the ground constantly. And it was just such a pleasant change to like, just like everything was canceled. I was Working from home as a teacher, which was way less intense than it is now working at home for, as a teacher because we weren't teaching like actual like Zoom classes then. It was just like, let's check in with the kids. Let's make sure they're okay. 
especially as like a music teacher, like I'm not going to stress them out. That's a whole other thing I could talk about for a long time. (laughs) So I was home all the time as a teacher. I lost my booking job at the Tabernacle. I lost every single gig that I had booked from March until at least May. I feel like maybe I started playing a few shows here and there then, but even then it was a very small amount. So, um, I kind of turned my attention to some other stuff. I, uh, did some, some traveling within the state. I I went to the Adirondacks a few times. I climbed some mountains. I had, I spent a lot of time in nature and I spent a lot of time writing music. I had like music coming to me for, for the first time ever. I started writing songs with words and that wasn't something that I ever totally thought that I would do. didn't really think that was on my radar. Um, and it, it all feels like very connected to like me taking this space and like spending time outside and like alone with myself and like having this, like, I don't know, kind of like divine inspiration. Um, yeah, it was, it was very life-changing, which ultimately, um, led me to make some changes in my life, leaving a band I was in for almost six years and, uh, joining another one. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm losing my train of thought here, but yeah, a lot has changed in the past six months. I'm like a different person. It's amazing, you know, taking the the time to be spiritual and take some time with nature and grow. So you you just started writing lyrics. Obviously, you have this jazz fusion love, this instrumental music background. You were never a lyric writer until quite recently. Was there a tipping point or a moment where you first like put pen to paper Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, I like literally just started coming to me when I was like hiking. I, it, it kept happening when I was hiking where like words would just kind of come to Mm -hmm. my head or like a melody or something like that. And I would just kind of like jot down on my phone or like record myself doing something and then like bring it home and workshop it. But yeah, the first time was like, we were climbing hurricane mountain in the Adirondacks and I was just like, okay, what is this? Like these, these words are coming to me. Um, in an almost like muse-like way. It's very interesting. Um, and it, it almost is like kind of personal, but my friend who passed away was, was I, someone that I regarded really highly as, as a singer songwriter. And I almost f- I feel like I'm catching some of her energy in a, in a strange mm. way. <laughs> That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's, um, I'm happy to hear that, kind of the reinvention of Ellen Peroni. And you lost these these booking opportunities and these gigs. Um, I quite recently, I didn't know you were doing the Lavender Haze Collective for a while now, you told me offline. But let's talk about Lavender Haze Collective, because all of a sudden I started seeing that that logo and that name all over the place. Are you kind of doubling down on your business as well? Yeah. So I started Lavender Haze a couple of years ago. It honestly started with me booking some tours for friends under the table. Um, I booked tours for uh, Moss Walk and Dirty Blanket and my friends, um, the tenants from Akron, Ohio, just because I had kind of taught myself how to book tours through Folk Faces. Mm. And then it kind of made me realize that it could be like a viable business um, and at that time I was already booking at Nietzsche's. So I already had a club to book and a calendar to, to control and organize. So it just kind of felt like a good, like umbrella to, 
to hold all these things that I have skills in or I'm learning to have skills in. So um, artist management, promoting shows and uh, booking tours. And uh, yeah, I was starting to do more under that name when I moved over to the Tabernacle. I was trying to keep my brand kind of on these series. I was doing like a weekly jazz night, um, a weekly bluegrass night, kind of like highlighting the things that I love, you know, because mm-hmm. if I'm going to book it, I'm going to like it. Um, Amen to that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and it was working out really nicely there, but ultimately um, the Tabernacle is not reopening in the capacity that it, it was in March. Um, so that's not really a thing for me anymore. So I have just been putting all my energy into Lavender Haze, um, doing what I can now so that when a lot of shows come back, I'm ready to go. I have my merch together. I have built a website, um, did all this during quarantine and, um, starting to manifest the idea that I'm going to throw a music festival someday. So, Mm. I love it. I love it. And ultimately, musicians, if you're watching here, go check out Lavender Haze. You know, Ellen has been on tour, um, long tours, right? And and ultimately booked them. So she's been in your your shoes as well. She's got both sides of the knowledge. So you're perfect person to book those, you know, tours and, and promote and manage bands. Um, so this music festival how much have you thought of it do you have locations in mind bands in mind anything thematic um how deep are we into it so the thing is without any sort of deadline it's hard to like figure out logistics like who's gonna play i mean obviously i have my favorite local artists and i have my you know wish list artists of like hopefully i could afford to bring them here um but as far as like location, it's almost like a blessing and a curse to have played at every like local festival venue because I know all their pros and all their cons. And so I feel like I'm still searching for that like perfect spot where it's like the location is good because, you know, like certain festivals, festival grounds are amazing, but they're maybe just a little bit too far or like out of the way for like Rochester people, but like good for Buffalo people. Like it's just kind of tricky and with it being when it does happen being the first one you know you don't want it to be so far away that I can't get my people there you know um because I fully intend on it being probably pretty small when it starts out um so no I don't have any details like I said I'm just manifesting this this idea this thought that I'm gonna throw a music festival someday maybe by telling you and whoever's paying attention to this stream right now um we'll light a little bit more of a fire under me to make it happen (laughs) yeah i also need this pandemic to go away because i'm i'm not doing it during this right i respect that long term hey it's it's a bigger grounds but why not the heron campground (laughs) it is a beautiful place i i love the heron you know yeah so just just for fun because this is this is obviously let let's manifest it or just have a little bit of fun with it Who's going to play at the festival? Anyone local that, um, let's say, you know, let's put finances aside. Who locally loves to play, wants to come play, and who nationally or regionally is going to come play as well? Okay, so anybody who knows me, I'll start local. 
Um, anyone who knows me knows that I am a huge Dirty Blanket fan girl. Um, big fan of Dirty Blanket. They will be probably at any festival that I book so long as they're available. Hell yeah. Um, I love them. I love Cody Barcroft. He's a singer-songwriter from Buffalo. And um, you might know him from Shoot Your String Band. He, they just played at Folk Faces Fest. Um, but he is an incredible songwriter. And I feel like he is starting to like really get get himself going there. And, uh, you know, get, get out there more, which I am very happy to see. Um, Serenade, which I see my girl Sarah in the comment section. Um, she is a singer in Buffalo Afrobeat Orchestra and a good friend of mine. So I would love to have her be a part of it. Um, she writes original music. She does bossa nova music. She's super talented and she's a flautist as well. Um, so those are some more localish people I would love to have. Um, and obviously, um, if not Intrepid Travelers, one of Donnie's projects, he is always doing something. I love his trio or his, um, DFB, like a, a larger kind of band with uh, more like, um, I guess like uh, pop kind of crossover, like jazz fusion and pop crossover. So um, one of those projects for sure. Um, nationally, this is fun. Okay. Um, Charlie Hunter, he's actually someone that I've tried to book as the headliner of Nietzsche's Jazz Fest like three times. One year I was really close to getting him, but he has a really nice relationship with 189 in East Aurora. And uh, they're not about him playing in Buffalo before playing in East Aurora. So okay. um, hopefully I could separate the two. Get Charlie Hunter. He, if you don't know who he is, he is probably one of my favorite composers. Um, he plays the guitar, but his guitar is half a bass and half a guitar. So he will be like playing the bass line, copying the chords and playing a melody on his guitar all at once. And just like makes it seem super easy. Um, even if you don't know his name, you probably heard him playing on a record. He played on most of voodoo by D'Angelo, which is one of my favorite records. So long story short, would definitely have Charlie Hunter be a part of it. Um, and then I also really love like modern folk music and I would be okay with any of the following between Father John Misty, Connor Oberst, and the Felice Brothers. I love all of them and shout out to Dan Schwack for making me love them even more over all of the carpool years that uh, we had during Folk Faces. <laughs> love it. Love it. Hey, I hope we've got some some fire under our feet. I hope we can make it happen, make some connections here. Cause heck, I'll I'll come to your festival. I don't care if it's <laughs> I don't I don't care if it's a little bit farther than we'd like, you know. I, I'd love to see it come to fruition. And I'd love to see the world healthy and happy and safe where we can make it happen. Cause obviously um we're still in the thinking stage because a big festival like that just can't happen right now. We'll get there. Yeah. It, and to me, it's, I actually give people a lot of credit for doing events during this time because I feel like my approach isn't that it's like, oh, it can't be safe. It's more like, I don't want to put all this work in and have it be canceled. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Which is but. a possibility. But I like the optimism that we're going to make this work. Um, you mentioned Donnie and his band. I think you sent a track 
by Donnie's band, right? Uh, is that the the gunshots or fireworks? Yeah, that's that's a great segue. So yeah, um, gunshots or fireworks. Um, it is a play on the sounds that we hear on the west side of Buffalo during summer, mm. and um, even more uh, niche. There was like this West Side Alive Facebook group. Um, for everyone who lived in the West Side community of Buffalo, and every single time people were lighting off fireworks, people would be freaking out in that group. Gunshots or fireworks? Gunshots or fireworks? So, it's mm. it's kind of a joke because that was such ridiculousness. Um, but yeah, so this is a song that Donnie wrote, um, and I, I'm just playing the horn parts. I'm just reading a chart. I'm playing, but it's it's fun. I'm doing alto uh, tenor, alto and tenor saxophones on this one. Um, we recorded it. Well, I recorded my parts during quarantine. Um, Donnie is a very inspirational person because he teaches himself how to do everything. He recorded all of this himself. He mixed it all himself. He mastered all of this himself. Um, Yeah, he just like just teaches himself how to do things. And it's really impressive. (laughs) So, yeah, I hope you enjoy the tune. Is it just you two on the track then? No, it is a larger group. Um, I was just asking because you mentioned how. On it, so I don't forget yeah. anyone. <laughs> I was just asking because you mentioned how he writes everything and records everything, mastering everything. I was just imagining him with like an entire setup, one by one, recording every instrument. But he crowdsourced a lot of ins- <laughs> uh, musicians to to bring it together. It sounds like. Yes. So Donnie. This trio is Isaiah Griffin, and who's a drummer, and um, Colin Bradalski, who's a bassist. Um, so that's the core of it. But he also had Sean McNamara of Mosswalk, um, who was his former roommate, and Adam Bronstein, newly of Intrepid Travelers as well, on the track. And I think that's everybody. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Gunshots or fireworks? Let's Let's give it a listen.
You're listening to the Rochester Groovecast podcast. Head over to Facebook, like Rochester Groovecast, and mark our page as C-First to keep in touch with everything new. Now, back to the show. Yeah. Dude, that was incredible. It had a, a, so much. a little bit of everything in that song. Definitely a full composition and an incredible just everything in that song. I don't even know what to say. Yeah, I um, I really dig Donnie's songwriting style. I feel like he has a hard time staying focused in like the best way possible. Like mm. no song is just like one thing. Um, there's always very different sections going on. And a fun fact about this tune is that the the timing of the second part of it is so confusing that I remember, like, I screwed it up in rehearsal, like, at least 10 times before I was able to play it properly. <laughs> His music is, as fun as it is, it's so hard to play sometimes. Um, but I feel like that's what I like so much about it is it's, like, pretty complicated, but it, it comes off in a really effortless, dancey kind of way. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Of course, I love the horns. Um, where Did you always play saxophone? Did you pick up any other instruments? What got your start in music as a whole? I started playing saxophone when I was eight years old in, in school. And um, it's pretty fitting that I'm a band teacher now because <laughs> um, ultimately that's why I do what I do. Um, I wanted to play the clarinet, but I was stuck with the saxophone. My parents were like, I just put it on the form. You know, my, uh, my grandfather was a saxophone player, but he died when I was pretty young. Um, so my parents were like, yeah, play saxophone. So I, I, uh, threw it on the list, ended up with the saxophone. I only played that instrument for a very long time. Um, once I got into college, I started playing more flute um, which I would consider to be like my secondary instrument at this point. I enjoy playing it a lot. Um, but as a band teacher, I have to play every instrument. So I am at least proficient on every band instrument there is. Um, yes, during the school day, I typically will play tuba and trombone and French horn and trumpet and clarinet. Wow. Um, I'm definitely better at the woodwind instruments <laughs> like saxophone, clarinet, and flute, but I can play some level of music on every band instrument. Well, wow. where do you teach? I teach at South Park High School, which is in the city of Buffalo. Gotcha. Cool. Cool. That that's oh, that's tough. You got to learn every single instrument perfectum. Tuba. Tell me about playing tuba. That can't be easy. Tuba's actually not that hard. I I like playing tuba. I feel like because my brass chops aren't great, I do better with the lower instruments. Like, I'm going to be real with you. I suck at trumpet. Like, I can't play high notes on trumpet at all. Um, I can, like, live in the lower range and, and, and do okay. But I feel like tuba and, and trombone are a little bit easier for me because the embouchure is a little bit more relaxed. Okay. Um, but, yeah, tuba is, like... It's funny because the buzz for tuba is you're basically just going like, it's just such a silly mouth feeling it's, but it, the thing is like having to play the instruments, like 
myself, I know how silly it feels, which is like, at least you can relate with the kid be like, Hey, let's do this really strange thing that you've never done with your face before, but like, you're going to be able to play an instrument. So it's, it's worth it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not good at it, but I can play a little bit of didgeridoo and the technique ultimately to vibrate your lips. It's just the silliest thing if your mouth's outside of the instrument itself. So I hear that. Is there any, um, bucket list instruments, obscure, anything that you don't know how to play that you'd ultimately love to have some chops or the ability to play? My my current musical goal is mandolin. I bought a mandolin from Bernanzio's about a year ago, and then it was broken at a gig, and uh, I just got it back. So that's kind of like my thing. I've like recently gotten really into bluegrass, um, and I love the mandolin. It's a beautiful instrument. Other than playing like a few chords on guitar, like essentially being able to play ripple, um, I have no experience with string instruments Mm. so it's a very fun challenge it's a very humbling challenge because um my fingers are not used to working in that way and neither is my brain so it's like super brand new um so yes i more than anything i hope someday to be sick at the mandolin um yes absolutely i want to be chris tilly when i grow up yes (laughs) yes Chris Tilly is amazing. And, and it is humbling yeah, when you're so, fan. me too, me too. It, it's, it's humbling when you're so darn good at one thing and there's something in the same ultimately vein, you know, it's music, but it's a, it's a completely different world, string instruments versus woodwinds, horns, things like that. Um, I'm curious just in terms of instruments, gears, uh, is there anything that, let's say a, a worthwhile investment that was a hundred dollars or less or just cheap, any cheap investment that you couldn't live without any gear or instruments or something that you just love and you're so happy you have. So, um, the thing about like woodwind instruments is that they're all really expensive and you can barely get anything for a hundred dollars. Um, but I have recently started using pedals for my saxophone uh, with Intrepid Travelers and, and with The Truth. And um, it is so much fun. It like unlocks this entire world of sounds that I didn't know that I was allowed to make. <laughs> and I think that I would just encourage anyone, whether you play guitar or like mostly like if you play a horn, um, if you play a brass instrument or a woodwind instrument, to just like try some pedals because it is so much fun. And, um, I wish more people did it. I I feel like not a lot of people use effects on their horns. I'm not trying to say it like, I'm definitely not the first person to do it, but it's definitely not the norm, especially not in like just regular old jazz, you know? And I think that like jazz musicians would have a ton of fun playing with pedals. I feel like people should just use them more. Is there particular pedals or sounds that you've been playing with that you're like, wow, that worked. I'm so happy. I discovered that. Um, I love my delay pedal. That one's a lot of fun. I, um, still like working on figuring out really how it works. Um, but you can make a lot of like really spacey, like reverb sounds, but you can also just like make the uh, delay really like narrow. So it has like almost more of a chorus effect. So I use that pedal a lot. Um, 
And I also have been having a lot of fun. I have a crybaby walk. Well, it, that one's not mine. It's, it's Donnie's that he doesn't use anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the wah is really cool with the saxophone. And actually, so is um, Adam Bronstein. Let me borrow his uh, envelope filter, um, which is kind of nice because it's like an auto wah. Like I don't have to worry about like moving my foot while playing the saxophone. Um, so I, I like both of those. That's been my uh, my rig lately. Except I also have like a harmonizer. My the goal with that one was to hopefully try to sound like a horn section, but mm. like I'm still learning how it works. And usually when I turn it on, it just sounds like really cacophonous and satanic. So <laughs> I haven't really been using it a lot. <laughs> yeah, I got to learn how to use it properly. I'd like to hear that sound though. I I'm trying to imagine it, but um, oh. It's really fun to like mess around with. We we had a pedal jam recently. Like okay. me and most of Intrepid Travelers just like got weird and put all our effects pedals on and just like I just like had all my pedals on at once. And uh yeah, it's it's a ton of fun. But yeah, I I haven't really figured out how to like apply that pedal to a regular piece of music. Sure. And yeah, you You got me thinking, you know, Intrepid Travelers is a great example of a band that you see live. They obviously experiment a lot and take a lot of risks and jam and improvise and all sorts of weird, different stuff. And a lot of the bands you've played with do just that. In the music industry, you know, ultimately as a, a woman surrounded by all these crazy dudes with big personalities, what the heck is it like? You know, how, how do you squeeze in and fit in? Do you love it? Do you hate it? Do you ever want to smash the instrument? What's uh, the experience playing in so many different bands with so many changing personalities and, and so on and so forth? I think when you start touring with bands, you learn how to navigate people's personalities, but there also has to be like a baseline of like being a decent and a chill person to like be able to do anything like this, like to be in any type of band where you're spending lots of time together, where you're traveling together, where you're in close quarters, where you're sleeping in the same space, you have to like have some level of being a cool person or it's just like not going to work out. So I'm, I'm grateful that between folk faces and intrepid, um, I'm surround, I've been surrounded by cool people and people that I get along with. Um, so that there is not a whole lot of like drama. Um, but that being said, it's navigating people and it's spending time with people. And and sometimes you just have to, I mean, things aren't always perfect. Sometimes you're not going to get along, but I, at the end of the day, you just have to like have respect for people. And I mean, it's, it's just like regular people skills, which I feel like I've always had. I'm a teacher. I am an extrovert. I'm an extrovert, extrovert, like I'm just a very social kind of human. So I feel like I don't really have a lot of problems with, with working with so many different people and personalities. You just kind of learn what people are about and you learn to accept their, their chaos and love them for it. I love that. Accept the, the chaos and love them for it. And especially, <laughs> you know, with folk faces and the groups and the booking and the traveling you've done, You've been a lot of places. Uh, has there been any favorite stops on tour or favorite experiences that, that come to mind? I feel like I have an endless, 
endless like stream of tour magic and stories of ridiculousness. And I also feel like some of like the, the things that felt like the worst in the moment turned out to like be the funniest and some of my favorite stories. Um, but to keep it brief, <laughs> um, I have always loved our stops in Asheville, North Carolina. There's always been a significant amount of magic there. Um, that's where we met Abby, the spoon lady. And then she became uh, a regular person that we would visit down there. And it was so much fun busking on the street and hanging out at her place. Um, it's just a really fun city and a place that has a lot of respect for its musicians. Um, so that's a place that I've always really enjoyed. Plus, we would always play in Black Mountain, North Carolina, not to be confused with Asheville. People there do not like it to be roped in with Asheville, but it's like 25 minutes away. We would play at a bar that I can't think of the name of, but one time we played there and Artemis Pyle, the drummer from Leonard Skinner, was there and he sat in with us. So that was interesting. It was the loudest drummer I've ever heard in my entire life. Um, and he told me he liked my bra, which was wildly inappropriate, but okay. Um, so Asheville's great. Big fan of Asheville. Um, we've only played in New Orleans once, but that was also chaos. And I just love that city. It's a city that I have, uh, vacationed to and hung out in a lot and, um, could see myself living in someday if I ever decided to leave sunny Buffalo, New York. (laughs) I so those it. are two of my favorites, but I, I mean, I can go on. We've been all over the place and I've had a lot of fun traveling this country. Any, any horror stories, any disasters? Definitely. I mean, how much time do you have? I mean, we, <laughs> I probably the worst was leaving the van in Virginia. That was like, it was just, it wasn't going to get us home. And mm. uh, so we just bailed on it and bought a Tahoe from an Italian restaurant. Wow. How long ago was, <laughs> was that with Folk Faces? That was with Folk Faces, and that was not this past summer, but the one before it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, it's I, I'm always interested in, in the highs and the lows because it's definitely not a stev- steady road on the road. There's there's a little bit of everything. And um what about some dream venue, some places you haven't played yet, um, whether it's a venue itself or just um, a location you'd love to travel to and play at beyond New Orleans? Um, so I go, me and Donnie go to Snarky Puppies Music Festival in Miami every year, and a slot on that festival would definitely be an absolute dream of mine. Um, what's, it's not like any other festival in the world. They have all kinds of eclectic, um, different bands from different genres, from different countries. Like there's always people from like 10 different countries there. Um, and I also just like love the Cuban, uh, music in Miami. I like Mm. completely fell in love with it the first time we went down there. Um, and I recently started listening to lots of Cuban music. So, uh, Miami and or Ground Up Music Festival would definitely be a a dream of mine to play at. Um, And then I obviously, like every other musician, would love to play at Red Rocks. I've never even been there, though, but it just looks incredible and beautiful. Um, I think that's all I can think of right now. (laughs) 
yeah, you see videos of Rotorox and it's just like the prettiest, most amazing venue you can imagine in the United States. I've never been there either, either, but I, I have dreams about it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I feel like that would be completely awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we have two more tunes. Everyone on the live, we love you for being there. But one thing I like to do is I'm going to keep one of these tunes as a podcast exclusive. So the actual episode is going to come out on Monday. You ultimately hear um, in the outro, um, what is it, Fiero, Fier, Fieri and Fuego? Say this for me. <laughs> Fieri and Fuego. It's a song about Guy Fieri from the part of quarantine where I was watching lots of Triple D, a.k.a. Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. Mm. And I was starting to feel like Guy Fieri and I would be really good friends and like we would get along um, this was definitely you know, a less less sane part of quarantine, but uh, I, I wrote a song about it. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. So ultimately, Spotify, iTunes, everywhere. You'll SoundCloud. You'll find the podcast coming out very soon. Thanks for being on the Facebook Live, but I'm holding that for the the listeners to the podcast itself. I want you to follow Rochester Groovecast. I appreciate the heck out of it. But one thing I do want to play right now um, is a Wood Brothers tune. Do you want to introduce the Wood Brothers tune we have here? Sure. Yeah. So um, during quarantine, me and Donnie and his roommate, Sean, formed the Couch House Quarantine Bands um, because... Couch House, Couch House Quarantine Band? Yeah. So Donnie's house and like, where we interrupted rehearses. Um, it's always been a house full of musicians, even though the people have changed over the years um, since Donnie's lived there. So that's the name of the house. They have lots of couches. So it's just couch house. We formed a quarantine band um, because our bubble was small. And that was the time of lockdown where like we were not seeing anybody else or going absolutely anywhere. So we took what we had, which was a saxophone player, a guitarist, and a, pian a pianist who also plays left-hand bass. It makes it sound like there's a bass player. Hmm. And uh, we did a weekly live stream, and we recorded a lot of music together. So we each kind of sang a song and made a YouTube video for it. So this one was my choice, um, and it's a Wood Brothers song that I love called Satisfied. I love it. It's a great tune and let's let's listen to Satisfied right now. I got nothing 
have to be afraid of Cause I will be satisfied Can you have a cold one? Anytime you please Can you still listen To a love supreme Who do you make love to Speaking of love Do you take all you need Can't you ever get enough Don't know why I'm asking Cause I'm gonna be I got nothing left to be afraid of Cause I will be satisfied I'm gonna leave a big piece of heaven behind a beautiful song yeah it's it's a great song and i feel like some of the words were really just soothing and, and relevant um when when things were just like so like heavy and unclear yeah 
Do do any particular words or a phrase come to mind when you make that statement? Um, just like the the whole idea of not being afraid. Got nothing left to be afraid of. I'll be satisfied. Just kind of like, okay, whatever's going to get thrown at me, I'll just be ready for it. I'll be happy. And um, yeah, leaving a big slice of heaven. I don't know. Leaving things better than you found them. I feel like yeah. it's just a good lesson for life in general. It, it's a great, it's a great lesson for life. Um, talking about lessons, I mean, you're a teacher. You teach high school students. We've all made mistakes. If I were to look at back at all the mistakes I've made, most of them happen pretty much between the ages sixteen and twenty-one. You know, starting in those high school years. Um, if you could go back and ultimately give yourself advice, it could be advice that you give your students, but if you could give yourself advice at that age, is there anything that you would have done different back in the day? Anything that would have, uh, you know, made it a little bit easier going forward? I definitely wouldn't have changed anything, but I definitely would have liked to talk to, to past me. Um, I feel like me along with many other girls at that age, I feel like I, um, and still to this day, I'm working through certain things as far as body image and loving myself and, you know, respecting myself and my body and the way that I look. And, um, I think that I, back then would be really proud of the person that I've become, but I feel like it's taken me a long time to get here. Um, and I, I wish that I maybe was a little bit more aware of, I don't know, <laughs> uh, the person that I would become when I got older and, um, being successful and, um, being, I don't know, proud of myself, I guess, like just hold on and, and things get a, a bit easier. I don't know. It's turning kind of cliche now, but, yeah. um, I definitely. Definitely think that a conversation with high school me would have been useful. <laughs> totally. And for what it's worth, I love cliche. I find myself using cliches and I find myself criticizing myself for, it. but at the end of the day, the reason it's cliche is it's because it's true. Um, or at least um, something very commonly accepted as, as something helpful. So I'm okay with cliche. I'm wondering, <laughs> kind of just in the same line of questioning, is there any artists, albums, musicians that you recommend that ultimately if you could gift all your students an album or, or recommend a, a live DVD or anything like that, um, any musicians that inspire you that you think would really inspire the youth? So the problem with that is the fact that I try to get my students to listen to music that I love all the time, but they're right. too focused on trap music. But it is still a battle <laughs> that I try to fight every single day that I go into work. Um, but as far as just like people who inspire me, Herbie Hancock is literally the most inspirational person I can think of. I read his, his I finally read his autobiography during quarantine. It only mm. made me love him more. He is such a gifted composer. He's an innovator. Um, he is a musician who, to this day, has never, ever stopped moving for music forward, which is, like, 
so respectable to me. Um, I, I really am inspired by him and all the amazing music that he's created. Plus he like invented my favorite genre. So eternally grateful to Herbie Hancock. Um, just as far as other inspirations, I love Susan Tedeschi and Derek Trucks. Um, as far as becoming, uh, trying to like figure out who I am as a singer, I definitely look to her a lot. I, um, love that her voice is, is unconventional mm-hmm. and I love the songs that she writes and sings. So, um, she's definitely a big inspiration to me. And obviously Derek Trucks absolutely shreds that band's incredible. So I, I love that band. Um, big fan of the Wood Brothers um, and some of the, the folks that I listed earlier for the ideal festival slots, um, like Charlie totally. Hunter. Um, he's someone that I um, respect a lot as a composer. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I want to flip the question because you mentioned, you know, young adults and kids loving trap music. And I have found that it's virtually the only thing a lot of people listen to. That being said, has there been any bands or musicians that your students have introduced to you that you're like, Oh my gosh, I didn't expect this, but I kind of really like this. 100%. I honestly, I like stopped liking pop music at all for many years and being a teacher again and having to listen to it has made me respect what is out there. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Some of it is just not good. And I I have to like respect it on some level. Um, But especially female pop artists, there's a lot of of them that I love. Recently, I really like Megan Thee Stallion. I think she's great. Um, I love Billie Eilish. Lady Gaga just released a great new album. I like Ariana Grande. Like I'm not afraid of pop music. I do enjoy it. Um, but yeah, some of the trap stuff. And honestly, I'm like a big fan of hip hop and rap too. I absolutely love Mac Miller and Chance the Rapper and grew up going to Odd Future and Tyler, the Creator shows and like wanted to be a rapper at one point in my life. Um, okay. Like a lot of the trap music that is around right now is just like genuinely not great. So sorry, hopefully I'm not offending anybody. My students would think I'm really lame right now, but <laughs> a lot of it's just not my, not for me. Hey, it's not for everyone. And I would agree, you know, a lot of modern music, the number one thing that I give them that I think is amazing is the production and the beats. Uh, You pop on good quality headphones and you're listening to uh, a piece of work, the way they produce and bring everything together. My one question is the content and stylistically some of the rappers that's my biggest criticism. Like I like the beat, I like the production, but a lot of times I don't know what they're talking about. Uh, and that's my one big criticism with a lot of it. Um, but we probably sound super lame to at least 25% of the population, right? I have these conversations every day, but there is one thing that I tell my students and I practice what I preach and it's to keep an open mind. I will listen to anything that my students tell me to listen to. Even if I know I'm going to hate it, I will still give it a fair shot and go in with an open mind and hope, genuinely hope that I like it. And sometimes I do, you know, I, I listened to pop smoke the other day. And even though I did not relate to any of the lyrical content, I did also think the beats were good. So I feel like, that's something that teaching has reminded me to do is to always keep an open mind and I make them do it too, because I'm like, Hey, if I'm listening to your music, you're going to listen to my music. 
Absolutely. You know, tick for tack, share it. And <laughs> one last question, uh, another higher level question that I ask everyone. And to be honest, I feel like you already answered it a few times in some of the things you just said in the past few minutes here. A lot of great advice. Uh, but I like to ask every guest, billboard, side of the road, a massive billboard, let's say uh, as big as the eye can, as big as the eye can see. I don't know if that's the best way to use that, that <laughs> phrase, but a huge freaking billboard. Um, the only thing that the eye can see and millions and millions of people are going to see it. You control the content of the billboard and you know, everyone's going to see it. Young, old, all races, all religions, all genders. Um, and you have the blessing and the curse of having the, the decision of choosing what you're going to put on this billboard to send a message out to millions of people. Is Does anything come to mind for the perfect thing to put on that billboard and, and something you'd like to say to the world? Absolutely. I will always die on the hill of supporting local. Um, if it were for a billboard, I might just stick to supporting local instead of support local music. Um, but it is just so important to support the businesses of the people who live in your community, support your friends who are trying to start a band, who are trying to sell their art on Instagram, who do your eyebrows, who sell books. Like the best thing that you can do is to build relationships with your community and you will just like enjoy everything so much more. You know what I mean? Like it's, I feel very strongly about the people who I pay to do things and the people who I buy things from. And I think if everybody had those relationships and those connections with people, instead of just buying literally everything off of Amazon, um, not to say that I don't ever use Amazon. I'm not a perfect person, but there's a lot of things that you can buy locally that you probably are buying on Amazon. So that is my hill to die on. That is my billboard support local, whether it's music, whether it's art, um, whether it is the person who cuts your hair support local. True. I, I love it. And everyone support local support Ellen lavender Hayes collective intrepid travelers, the truth, the duo plus, Buffalo Afrobeat Orchestra, everything that you do, Evan Ellen Peroni music on Facebook. Um, you've been a delight to have on. Or is there any specific spots that you'd like to direct the listeners? Is there any, you know, perfect spots to keep in touch with you? Yeah, so I have been trying really hard to post all my shows and, and things coming up on the Alan Peroni music Facebook page, but you can also follow me on Instagram, which is at Ellen Peroni Sachs. Um, I'm also usually in my stories posting what's going on. Um, right now, Intrepid Travelers is trying to get to a thousand subscribers on YouTube so that we can start doing our weekly streams there. Um, so if you could subscribe to Intrepid Travelers on YouTube, that'd be great. We've also been releasing a lot of content. Um, Adam's been putting together weekly videos of just kind of like our bits and, and hijinks and what we're up to behind the scenes. And I don't know, I at least find them really fun to watch, but you might too. Uh, so subscribe to Intrepid. And um, the, the track that you heard, Gunshots or Fireworks, um, that track is available pretty much anywhere that you can find music, um, but it's definitely on Spotify if you find Donnie Fraunhofer. So 
stream that for sure. And uh, yeah, check Perfect. it out. Check me out. Check out some other local artists. You you heard it, everyone. Continue to support local. We have a lot of follow-up steps. It'll take a few minutes out of your day to go ahead and follow, save these links, subscribe to the YouTube. It'll be worth your while to curate your feeds and um, continue to support Ellen. Again, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. This has been great. What's up, Groovaholics? As promised, one more track. Here's Fury and Fuego by The Truth. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk soon.
Thanks for listening to the Rochester Groovecast podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and remember the fee. Share this with a friend and tell them exactly why they should listen. And don't forget to keep it groovy, baby.